Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, your life improvement series starts now. Hello, hello, everybody. It's going to be a great day. You know why? Because we're going to know better today. We're going to learn more. We're going to get better and we're going to do it together. (laughs) I still can't get that right. It's like, we're going to know better and then get better. You did but great. You did you great. It was I perfect. Mean, you know what I mean. Uh, and most importantly, we're doing it together because we're better together. Welcome to any new listeners. We uh, we love getting better in all areas of life here. We heal in every way. And today we have an amazing guest who I met recently and was introduced to her podcast that we'll talk about in the show, Hannah Burner. She's a comedian, host of some top podcasts called Giggly Squad and Burning in Hell. She was on Bravo on some reality shows. She's a stand-up comic and um, is just an overall cool girl who's had a lot of life experiences and uh, has really kind of figured out a lot of stuff at her ripe young age of 30. I really loved, excuse me, our conversation today about mental health and all kinds of stuff. She was... uh, she was kind of like a soundbite machine, lots of really good life coach therapy moments that I was not expecting necessarily. Um, but this is why conversations like this is so cool. So before we get into the conversation, I want to invite you to, uh, take a listen to our other show. It's a quick Monday morning show called Monday motivations and intentions. And we have five to 10 minute shows there that set your Monday off right. We want to make sure you guys are getting off on the right foot. So it's a quick little something to inspire you, some new nugget to take into your day and apply. So don't forget to listen and review Monday Motivations and Intentions. Um, Also, friends, our merch is live on mariamenunos.com. You can get your Heel Squad hoodie, your regular guy Friday sweatshirt, whatever it is that you would love to sport. Um, and we see so many of you buying them, send us pictures. I want to see you guys wearing them. And, uh, so make sure you check that out at mariamenunos.com. 
And now without further ado, let's get into our conversation with Hannah Berner. So when did you start doing stand-up? I started doing stand-up about four or five years ago, but I first was working for this company, Betches, where I was writing like memes and tweets and funny videos. Mm -hmm. And I realized that it was actually kind of a joke writing boot camp at the time. And I dated a stand-up comedian and I was like, do I love him or do I love the art of stand-up? <laughs> Hilarious. And then um, I, the first time I did stand-up was 10 minutes in front of 300 people because my friend dared me to do it when I was doing like a live podcast show. And I, I just fell in love with it. It was never a dream of mine. It was never something I was manifesting. I just kind of fell into it. But you know in your gut when something feels like you're in alignment and I just mm -hmm. have kind of ran with it. Well, we, before this, you were on track to be a tennis star. I know that from <laughs> yeah. Wikipedia. Uh -huh. uh, so you were going to be a tennis star. What stopped that whole dream? Great question. When I was younger, I loved tennis, but it was a very like family coach oriented thing. There were a lot of people involved, a lot of people like financing it. And I finally went to college and at the end of it, I was burnt out. Like I felt just, I didn't have the passion that I had and going professional in tennis is like an entrepreneur as in you don't, you don't get paid unless you win. You have to pay for all your coaches and travel and it's really hard unless you're like top 50 in the world to make a living. And I had to kind of like give up on a dream to do what I ultimately, to find like a new passion. And it's, it's hard because you have all those Instagram quotes and Pinterest quotes that are like, never give up. Yeah. But I was like, I think it's run its course. And I think deep down there's other sides of me that I haven't explored because I played competitive tennis from like eight years old to 22. Wow. Okay, so eight to 22 you know, when you're doing this, you're kind of, that's your everything, right? It's like ice skating, like this is just your life. Um, you know, at some point, did somebody say something to you that made you pivot out of this? Or did you, you were burnt out and you're like, and then you started thinking like, is this really something that I want to continue investing my time in? I'm not going to be Serena. I'm not going to be Venus. So, uh -huh. Uh -huh. but I, I love what you're saying about the the Instagram quotes, because well, maybe you could have if you had stuck with it, right? Like, I know, these Instagram quotes you can't listen to too hard because it's like they don't know what your situation is. And sometimes, like, honestly, quitting or getting out of things is actually super empowering. Like, you're not a loser. You're not weak for getting out of a situation that doesn't feel right for you anymore. And to be honest, like, I'm a different person than when I was eight years old. And I also... I, I got to the point where winning, I wouldn't really feel a lot, but if I lost, I was like devastated. And that's all I knew was like the highs and lows of winning and losing. And I also did get hit by a car. I was fine, but I got hit by a car my senior year. And I really thought it was a sign from the universe to be like, can, like how much stuff do you have to throw at you? Like, just stop. You're not happy. But as a, an athlete, you're trained to, um, push through, 
push through Mm -hmm. any emotion you have. Are you nervous? No. Are you tired? No. Are you sore? No. Are you scared? No. So I actually was having trouble being like, what's my voice versus my parents' voice and the training voice, the training, the programming, because it's programming. Someone it's, it's giving cults. (laughs) but it's true like you're like I always watch cult documentaries and I'm like I would be that person that would join the cult like (laughs) but the truth is you have to like just trust the people around you listen to them and you want to be a champion and anything less than a champion you're a loser and um wow this is kind of interesting I've never heard anybody talk about this it's I will tell you after I quit I had many nights where I was just, I cried and I just was like, why did you do this for so long? What was the reason? <laughs> like, why? Like, wow. Well, I, I didn't talk understand about, the purpose. I talk about this too. Like you get trapped in an old dream. And I was like, I was good. And you're good. So you just keep doing it because you're good at it. I kept but winning. sometimes you need to get off the ride. I'll show you something that's on my computer right now, which is so funny. So it's a sticky note that says quit. Is it because it's hard or is it because it's not right for you? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I'm I shook. thought that was the greatest, greatest way to kind of decipher whether you're quitting for the right reasons. Because I do think that quitting can be empowering. Like you said, mm-hmm. not everything is for us. That's why you're supposed to try things. It doesn't mean yes. you're supposed to be great at everything and do everything. And as an entrepreneur, one of my favorite quotes is if you're going to fail, fail fast, Mm -hmm. try it, do it, and then be the one to be like, this isn't right. We're learning, we're moving on. And I'm not afraid of that change. But um, yeah, tennis was my heart, my soul. I, I did everything, but I actually suffered from some pretty bad performance anxiety where when I would compete, I would get really in my head. I would get paralyzed. I would do things that were out of character. And um, back then, I mean, I'm 31 now. Back then, there wasn't a lot of talk about the psychology in the sport. It was a lot of like, we'll keep running, you know, hit more serves. It wasn't focused on performance anxiety. And I suffered really badly from anxiety. But no one, no coach was able to really tackle it. And it got to the point where I was like, I would have panic attacks on the court. And I'm playing number one for University of Wisconsin at this point. I'm like deciding that I can't hit a serve and I just couldn't take it anymore. But I I felt scared of my own mind. And I also felt like a little bit of an imposter because... What does that mean? I was scared of my own mind. My mind was playing tricks on me and I couldn't... Wow, look at this deep therapy session. My mom was playing tricks on me and I couldn't control her. I would go on the court and I would be like, I'd, I I, wouldn't feel comfortable in my own skin and I would doubt myself. And you basically, I feel like anxiety stems from when the person who you are is different from the person that you're putting out to the world. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I feel like my body and everything was telling me, you don't want to do this. Yeah. It's like, you're, you're going down different paths. Like you're, you're like, it's almost like at the fork in the road, your body went one way, your mind went another. Have you ever been in a relationship? that's not right for you. Even a friendship. And you're with, when you're with them, you get anxiety, your heart's beating. You, you're, you can't eat. Like that's your 
your mind is saying, we can do this, we can do this. And your body's like, I'm out. Yeah. So yeah, like yeah. if you stay in something too long, your body will tell you. And I thought of it as a failure. But recently in my therapy, my therapist was like, your gut was so strong. Your body was like, get out. And it's yeah. not your fault. You don't want to be here anymore. And I actually like didn't love competition. I didn't love like beating people. I didn't love, I, I didn't, it wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. I actually am a very like creative, silly person. And I wasn't even, she was, who knows where she was. She was locked up in a basement at that time. Wow. That's just wild. Well, you're silly on Giggly Squad, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, and it sounds like you found your way. Um, it's it's so interesting to hear. I've never heard anybody talk about this because I feel like probably we only talk to the people who succeed and achieve in these areas and you hear the story of them pushing through the bloody sock, the you know, whatever it is, all these sports iconic stories that we hear. Mm -hmm. Um, I love hearing the alternative of like, my body was screaming no. And, you know, it's like that programming that starts so young is so hard to break that yes. it sounds like you're still doing the work to like even break it down now. Yeah. But I did realize that the things that made me love tennis, I did love like the idea of performing, like I love showing off in practice. I loved kind of the excitement. I loved inspiring women to play sports. There were a lot of things I loved and I really was very disciplined. And I've kind of taken all those qualities and people will say, how do you do stand up? And I'm like, me going on stage and talking shit for 10 minutes is nothing compared to like second serve, deuce against Duke, your whole team watching you, your scholarship on the line. I'm like, <laughs> this is therapy for me. So it's from that experience that I think I've been able to thrive in the stand-up comedy scene and especially in a male-dominated field, someone who grew up in sports and training with men all the time. I feel like I was put on this earth to kind of break some gender stereotypes and empower women. It's really cool. So, so you get out of tennis and did you have like identity loss? Yes. 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 Because I was, um, captain MVP of my tennis team. I graduate and I'm an intern at a fashion boutique in Brooklyn, New York, where I got treated like complete shit. <laughs> like, take my coat, no one knows my name, no one cares what my name is, eyes rolling, just the dirt on the bottom of someone's shoe. And my whole identity was, this is Hannah, she's an incredible tennis player. Um, and it was very ego-driven. So I would argue that I had my first of many ego deaths. <laughs> <laughs> I love an ego death moment, my ego, my first ego death era where you're basically, but also that's why I had performance anxiety with tennis because my success equated to how much people loved me. I mean, from a very young age, when I won, Whoa. people were happy. When I lost, people were disappointed. So for me to quit and then not have anything going on work-wise was to very get that hard. high. And it was hard for me to feel like I was valuable to anyone. I myself. get that because when I left E and was in brain tumor madness with my mom and I, 
I would, the few times I would go out, people are like, so what are you up to? And you know, you're used to having like the laundry list of things. And I'm like, brain tumors, like, like, but I wasn't, I didn't say that out loud. I'm like, oh, you know, just, just doing stuff. Like, and I got to the point where I was like, am I only valuable to you guys? If I have a laundry list of things to do, because I don't give a shit anymore. I don't want the laundry thing list of things to do. And I was shifting and changing and listening to the universe and listening to what my body was saying. And I was like, I was trapped in an old dream. I'm done. I'm focusing on health. I'm focusing on taking care of my mom and helping her survive. That should be good enough for everybody because it's good enough for me. So mm. I got really good at being like, oh, you know, the same old, nothing, usual, you know, whatever. Like I would just give a stupid response. And then I'd watch who still wanted to be around or still wanted to talk to me. And I was like, wow, it really is such an intense thing in this business that your value is attached to what might I miss out on being friends with you? Because if you soar, oh, you're, are you writing a new book or you're going to be in a new show? Oh my God, I got to be close to her. She's, she's going to succeed. So I started like watching all of that too. And yeah, your value is tied to how you can be useful to other people. This business is bonkers. And a piece of advice I got, like when I first started, um, I got on reality TV. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> My first season or two, people were like loving me. Tell and everybody what you were on. I was on Summer House on Bravo. And it was me and my friend Paige. And we were like relatable, young, having fun. And I remember a producer being like, the same way that people love you, they can hate you as quickly. And you can't believe either. And I remember being like, but I'm awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just, you know, all these things. And then with like one weird storyline or a couple things, suddenly people can turn and it could be like trendy for people not to like you. And it's when I got my first kind of whiff of fame being on Summer House, the amount of people who wanted to get coffee with me and wanted to hang out with me and no girls ever cared to be friends with me like that easily. And then I had a rough season, to say the least. Suddenly no one's like posting a birthday post for me. I'm mm -hmm. not getting invited to things. And that's when I realized how if you put your value in how other people are thinking about you, it's going to be a long, rocky roller coaster. And it's, I hate to say no one gives a shit about you, but there's people in your life who do. And everyone else is kind of, they're going to come, they're going to go, they're going to come, they're going to go. And if you have your self-worth based on these external things, it's really hard. And that's how I was with tennis. And now I think I've taken those experiences full circle to realize, do I like the journey in what I'm doing now? And am I ultimately comfortable with myself and proud of myself for things? I love that. By the way, friends, for lis who's listening, Hannah lives in New York. So all the crazy noises you're hearing. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> our New York City background. <laughs> that is totally um, unforgiving. We can't do anything about it. I'm like hearing the dump trucks and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I'm so sorry about that. We're, <laughs> we're in the middle of Lower East Side, Manhattan, getting rowdy. Um, one day I hope to have a house in the quiet hills. We'll manifest that. But for now. Yes. Yes, we're, we will. So I like this. Do I like the journey? So 
How did you get to that? Because you're 30. Mm-hmm. How did you get to that so fast? Because I feel like people at 50 aren't even there yet. Well, I have this side of me that I'm kind of like, I cannot live without enjoying my job. I did cold calling sales right out of college and I was doing well, but I was like crying in the bathroom every day. I hated it. And I was making money, like good money out of college. Didn't have it in my soul. Thought marketing would be more fun. It was creative. Was so bored. Quit my job and took a $300 a week video production job at this company, Betches. I actually did a little sports broadcasting in college, so I learned how to edit. I basically woke up one day and was like, I want to do video. That's all I put into the universe. I didn't say stand up or I wanted to do video. How old were you at this point? 26. 26, I just said, I saw an old YouTube video. You could see it. Google Wisconsin Badgers, Hannah Burner. I'm like on the court. And I was like, I love that. But I didn't want to go to like a small town and do sports sports broadcasting there. I love New York City. So I got this job and they were like, you have no experience. But we think your video is really funny that I submitted. Can you do this multiple times a week? And I just said, yes. I think it, I think that men are better at like getting jobs they're not qualified for. Mm-hmm. Where I kind of went in and was like, look, I have no qualifications, but these are my ideas. So I always like to come to an interview just being like, this is what I'm going to do for you. Um, And they believed in me. And next thing you know, I was like, I found my lane. I was like, I'm making funny videos. I'm making people laugh. I'm being creative. And I started a girl who played tennis. She was still there, but I was creating a new person. Like I was always, I was always the goofy one, the funny one in the group chats. And I didn't know you could monetize that. (laughs) (laughs) My family was always jokesters. And then even identifying that that's something. Yeah. Right. To even identify that, but then to figure out how to monetize it is hard. Like, well, what do I do with this? Like sometimes I'm like, wait, I'm really good at this. What do I do with this? It's hard. And then you also don't want to start hating it because it becomes a job. But I was basically creating funny videos, writing memes, writing tweets, I was dating a comedian at the time and we broke up and I got a call because I was starting to get my own following, which I hadn't anticipated. I just wanted to be a video producer, but people liked me in the videos. They liked my tweets and they asked me to go on Summer House. But my original dream was always comedy. Um, But Summer House was this fun opportunity. I was 26. I was single. I would be on TV, which is pretty cool. My parents were a little nervous, but yeah, it was like an opportunity. Um, but during summer house, I started doing stand up. I was afraid like, oh, that's what my ex does, but don't let one person in the world affect like your long-term dream. And when I got on stage, I didn't feel the heart palpitations I felt with tennis. I felt a weird sense of comfortableness. And I think that's what you have to search for in life. It's not, you're, don't be a fucking hero. If you're miserable every day at work, don't be a hero anymore. Life is too short. Be a hero and do something that's good for you. See, I thought that was weak because growing up as an athlete, it's weak to choose something that's more comfortable. Mm. And I didn't realize that, no, 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 no. It's like surfing. I'm going to use a surfing metaphor. Once you get the right wave, you're flying. Why are you like drowning in the back when you could just find the right wave and go and 
everything became very kind of natural from there. And three years into comedy, I was, I was just doing, it, it felt right. And I love going on stage and I hated going on the court every day. And I was afraid. I had those little intrusive thoughts. What if this happens with comedy? What if when I go on stage, my body starts rejecting it? What if I start little PTSD? But I, and I work on that every day, but I trust if you like the journey and you're not focusing on the results, the anxiety, if, if I'm only focused on winning, my body will tighten up. But if you go, oh, I love the feeling of the ball in my racket. I love moving my body. And in comedy, I like to go on stage and go, I love to try to make these people's day. And if I mess up, it's for me. It's not my coach, my parents. This is something I chose to do for myself. So it's been quite therapeutic, the journey. Wow. When you left or decided to leave tennis, you know, the fact that you had kind of become that girl that people knew, like, that's Hannah, she's really great at this. And, you know, your family, of course, is going to think you're the next Serena, no matter what, because that's how <laughs> families are and friends, hopefully, if you have good mm -hmm. ones. Um, what did they think of you in those years to follow when you left and you were kind of squirming around trying to find yourself? Well, I lived with my parents <laughs> right after college. I moved into back to my house in Brooklyn. And, you know, right now I've done TV where like, you know, I'm making out with guys on TV. I'm on podcast talking about my vagina. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing all this crazy stuff. And the first thing people ask, they go, what do your parents think? And I'm like, first of all, I got this from my parents. But second of all, they just want me to be happy. And I think after tennis, it was kind of like a rehabilitation. Like I was with them and my mom was like, let's just like find Hannah again. Who's that wow. little girl? Who's that little girl who is excited about life? Who's silly? Who's goofy? Who's athletic? Who's, who's kind? Where is she? Because you're kind of a shell of, of that. And um, I'm really fortunate to have parents who I think, even though they obviously we, we, I was on a family that we wanted success and we wanted straight A's, but at some point you just want your kid to be happy. So I think that they instilled that in me where now I wake up in the morning and I don't, I don't want to win an Oscar. I don't need to have millions of dollars. I just want to wake up and not be depressed because I've, I'm susceptible to that. And I've been through that. And there's things that happen in my life where I'm like, why would that happen to me? It's so horrible. I'm such a victim. But then I think, no, it really made you grateful, more grateful than to be where you are now. And gratefulness is a key to happiness, I think. Absolutely. I love that your mom said that. Let's find goofy, silly, happy Hannah. What do your parents do for a living? So my mom, she was a teacher and she became a the last 15 years. She was a principal of a middle school in Brooklyn. So she's like a bad bitch. Like, <laughs> like she ran the whole school and with such like grace and everyone liked her. And she's just like really powerful and cool. And then my dad's in sales. He's very like loves games, competitive, but very goofy, very funny. Um, and they really are like my best friends and they've been kind of supportive of everything there were moments where I felt like 
I disappointed them because I'd never won the U.S. Open. <laughs> but that's where I have to realize, like, it's not your responsibility to make your parents happy. Mm-hmm. And if their happiness depends on your success, that's not that's not right. Oof, I get that. You know, my my parents being Greek immigrants coming to this country, cleaning nightclubs and all the stuff that they did just to put food on the table. I lived to make them proud. And when I went in for surgery, I wrote letters to my mom, my dad, and my husband. And I was like, listen, if things go awry in brain surgery, this is the stuff I need you guys to know. Uh But with my dad, it was like the biggest one. Because I was like, if I wake up, I'm going to live a very different life. And it's not going to be all the bells and whistles to make you be able to brag to people. I'm not going to do the things that are going to be so noteworthy um, so that you can brag to your friends and family and be super proud. Like, I'm just not going to do that stuff unless it makes my heart sing. I'm not doing it anymore. Wow. And like, I was bawling writing it. I, I bawled for years after talking about it. But it was a big deal because after that, he stopped asking me what I was working on and he started asking me how I was feeling and how I was doing. Wow. Which is a big deal for like an immigrant dad, because anytime I would like leave a job, say I was like, okay, I'm leaving access Hollywood. I'm going extra. The anxiety and the, he'd be petrified because mm-hmm. people thought I lost my job or whatever. Cause you know, they'd always have to sink the ship before you went over somewhere else mm-hmm. to something bigger. Mm-hmm. And so they'd put out in the press that they fired me. Like they would all do all this stuff to try to sink the ship. And my dad mm-hmm. would be like the people, Maria in the church, everybody, they talking and, <laughs> and like, didn't make it easy on me either. Like always having to worry about the people in church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I, I could not feel more connected with you on that. And it's great. Like, I love that, like, my dad loves to brag about me. Yeah. (laughs) But it comes to the point where it's not his life. (laughs) And it's not healthy for us because I got, you go down his anxiety sometimes. Oh my God. But even more, too, like, I would say yes to things sometimes. At some point, towards the end, I started just saying yes to make money. I was like, that's easy. I can do it. I'm good at it. Yes. Boom, boom, boom. And I got more unhappy and more unhappy and more unhappy because I was just like, you know, the hamster in the wheel. And, and I, I, I had so much guilt because it would be a payday that my parents couldn't make in years of cleaning nightclubs. So I was like guilt of saying no something like that. Like, what are you, a spoiled person? Yes, yes. kind of money. Yeah, Mario, you know how much work we have to do to make that kind of money? And they would get, like, my dad would just, yeah, he'd make me feel guilty, like I was some kind of ungrateful asshole. Mm -hmm. And so you start to shift because, again, it's your parents. So you're like, oh, they must know better. And, And once I, like, let go of all of that stuff, everything got so much better. 
When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of wonderful pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with way. Go to the way T H E O U A I.com and enter the promo code heel squad for 15% off any product. That's the way T H E O U A I.com promo code heel squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Well, also where does it end? Like you were a literal household name in every house in America and you still felt like you needed to get more. Mm-hmm. My mom, actually, she's been doing her own therapy, which has been really helpful for like generational trauma. Mm-hmm. And I come from, she's Italian, um, we're Sicilian. So it is that kind of like, we came with nothing. Was she born there? Her grandpa was born okay. there. So like Ellis Island type vibe. And <laughs> she, the beginning of this year, you know, everyone talks about what do you want to do this year? What are our goals? And Part of me was annoyed by it because I wanted everyone to instead be like, what are we going to get next year? To be like, why don't you reflect for a second on where you were a year ago and give yourself a little tap in the back, whether it's mentally, physically, financially, socially, just 
let's take a second before we ask for more. But my mom goes, okay, you're going to, you're getting busier and busier, which is amazing. How do we not burn out? How do we change your schedule? Because this is not sustainable and you can't do this. Like, that's what my mom said to me. And I was really proud of her. Her first thing was like, how do we get you on a vacation? How do we give you a day off when because, you know, you always edit podcasts that day and you're traveling on the weekends. How do we fix this? And it was cool to hear someone see that side of it rather than how do we make more money this year? How do we get Mm -hmm. bigger? How do we get more fame? Yeah. And so I completely understand because I'm a yes person, too. And I realize now it's because it felt better for other people to be proud of me and to just numb myself because I'm like, I'll be fine. But you won't be fine. No. It no. adds up. It definitely accumulates. And then you burn out. Mm-hmm. 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 So so it's like, how do you, and I like the approach to last year's and looking back because we, I had a friend who said, as long as you did like 5 to 10% better this year than the last year, you're winning. You're doing great. We don't have to have these massive strides and these massive things. Just take a look back and say, oh, I accomplished some of the things I wanted to accomplish for the year. Like we write down all the things we want for the year. Mm-hmm. And then we look back and we're like, man, I did a lot of stuff. Like that was pretty cool. Or I accomplished this one thing I was really focused on. But you're right. Everybody's kind of just so focused on, this is going to be the greatest year ever. And I'm going to do, I'm going to get all these things. Look at this manifestation board. I'm going to get all this stuff. And it's like, hold on a second. <clears throat> and also, how do you even measure what is 5% better? You know? And I feel like you would understand this. When I went on the reality show, I immediately got good heat, good momentum. People liked my personality. And I got offered a talk show with Bravo um, called Chat Room. And it was during quarantine and it was the best. Like I was in my mom's kitchen. I put it on a toaster oven. (laughs) We record for like two, three hours talking crap. And it would go on like late at night at Bravo just during COVID. And I was like, this is my dream. I have a talk show on cable. I'm on TV and everything's great. And then I had a very bad season where like they kind of love, you know, the build you up and break you down storyline. And I also got married, which wasn't really in line with the single party element of the show. And next thing I knew, I was not on either show anymore. Mm -hmm. So one day I had two shows and the next day I found out I'm not returning to Summer House. I'm also not returning to chat room. And my worlds kind of fell apart. But then, and everyone's like, it ha- it's happening for a reason. And you're like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> or you're like, okay. And then it's like been a day. And I'm like, okay, reasons, where are you? Where's the reasons? But I never would have pursued comedy if I stayed in reality TV. And ultimately, let's be honest, with my personality, I would have stayed in reality TV as long as they let me because I'm, I'm, I'm a fighter, even though let's, where I shine is not in a reality TV environment, but rather a place where I can be myself and express myself and be heard and be authentic, which that's definitely not the vibe for reality TV. So the universe kind of full circle in our conversation. I really think the universe pushes you out of certain places you're not meant to be like Mm if, and it's a thin line of like, you knowing this is right for you and you just have to work harder versus 
okay, the universe hates this situation. Um, and I think it comes from feeling like you're on a surfboard going versus feeling like a shark is pulling on your foot every three seconds. <laughs> and I ultimately, it. it's like, is my worst day doing stand-up comedy comedy is better than my best day playing tennis or or doing Summer reality House. TV? Yeah. And I, that's I love the, the universe is pushing you. I talk about that all the time because every entertainment news show I would do would be more brutal and more painful and it would just get worse. And I'd think I'm going somewhere and it's going to be amazing. They're going to be nice. And I get smashed in the face by a rake again. I'm like, how the hell does this keep happening? And then you think it's you. So you're like, okay, then I just won't talk at this job at this job. I won't say a word. Like I'll just, it sounds like an abusive relationship. It was horrible, horrible. And it just got worse and worse and worse and more painful and more painful to the point where I couldn't even stand up to do my live reads at the end. Like it was like everybody around was like just a few more and they didn't know I had a brain tumor at the time and I just couldn't even do it anymore. And I was like, God gave me this brain tumor. When I found out, I was like, this is a gift. Thank you, God. You are literally hitting me in the head with a brick or a couple of bricks. Cause this bitch wasn't going down easy mm -hmm. because the same thing, like, again, you come from nothing right? I'm cleaning nightclubs growing up with my parents. And now I'm on TV making stupid money and wildly succeeding in so many arenas, not just entertainment news, but in all these other areas. How do you give all that up? And how do you know that that's what you're supposed to do? But the universe shifts you out, whether you like it or not, and it will be painful. Yeah because you're not easy to put down, mm -hmm. but yeah, that's um, why they have to kick your <laughs> ass out of that situation. <laughs> and that's why people say, you know, this is happening for you, not to you, or this is, this is a good thing, but you don't know why in the beginning, but mm -hmm. now at 44, I see the patterns. Mm -hmm. And whenever something bad happens, I know it's going to blow for a while, but something good is going to come on the other side. Yes. And, and it always does. So for you, you, you know, suddenly have no shows. Is that when you started your Giggly Squad podcast? So Giggly Squad actually started as an Instagram live during COVID. Paige and I were depressed. And every night at 10 o'clock, we would just go on and talk for an hour. And people were like, what are you going to talk about every day when nothing's going on? And we're like, but that's us. We figure it out. And on reality TV, sometimes the hard things would, they, they wouldn't show your sense of humor. Like they want people to laugh at you, not with you. And Paige and I, like my favorite thing is giggling with her. So we kind of created this community of girls who just wanted to laugh, knew us from the show, liked our friendship, but didn't really know our friendship. And it was, again, kind of therapeutic for me to be like, yeah, see whatever you're seeing on the show. But if you want to kind of see all of us, go to Giggly Squad. So Giggly Squad stayed, even though both the shows left. And now Giggly Squad, we're going on like a full theater tour around the country that's selling out. And it is it is crazy. But there were moments where I was like, no one would want to see me anymore. But then you realize you can't make decisions based on other people who change their opinion of you every three seconds. Yeah. Or a network executive who has a different agenda. Or has no creativity because they have that too sometimes. <laughs> and sometimes 
It's funny because you're like, it's not me. But sometimes I do think it is me. I do think that I will outgrow situations and then be like, why do I feel so uncomfortable here? Why do mm-hmm. I feel like the black sheep of the family? And it's like, because you are. And let's outgrow it. And sometimes people will say like, oh, I want to get out of this relationship or job, but it's going to be so hard. And I go, what good thing didn't come out of something that was hard? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. everyone would have good things if it wasn't hard. Yep. And you know, it gets to the point where it's like you would rather be anything but the current situation you are. And going back to your question earlier about how I kind of deal with stuff, it's like I would rather be a broke stand-up comic than doing like, let's say, a nine to five. (laughs) And that's my personality. Yeah. So I've kind of come to that conclusion for myself. So... I'm making a note so I don't forget. Smart. Before that is real I get journalism. to <laughs> that is journalism. So before I get to the compliment I want to pay you, um, you got married. Yes. Was it last year? Got married in May of last year. Okay. And um, you have an age difference with your hubby. Mm-hmm. I too have an age difference with my hubby. Ours is 11 years. Mm-hmm. And that was like a big deal, a big deal. And then I saw an article where you (laughs) freaking hilarious. And you're like, I just don't want him to die. I'm scared about our age difference because of that. I'm like, I'm terrified of the same thing now. I didn't think about it 20 years ago or 25 years ago when we first got together because I was just obsessed with him and in love with him. But now I'm like, oh my God, what if something happens? Like I, I can't that he's old now. <laughs> <laughs> Maria, that article was actually so funny. Because again, it's like reality TV interviews where they like want the drama. And I remember it was like the first interview about our relationship. He's 15 years older than me. And she goes, what is it like being with someone who's 45? And she made it sound like he was just the crypt keeper. And I go, <laughs> I'm afraid he's going to die every day. Stop and I was like it. kind of joking with her, you know, and we laughed about it because I was like, Jesus Christ, like, let's calm down. Like, it's yeah. not 45. Let's be honest. And then that's the headline. Hannah Burner afraid fiance is going to die. It's a great headline because it grabbed me because now... I never worried about it until like now we have like a surrogate and we're working on the kid thing and the whole thing. I'm like, oh shit, we're really old. He's really old. Oh, nuts. Like you got to get your health shit under control, honey, because you can't go anywhere. But you know, these things that suck is, you know, his hips hurting, his knees hurting. I also, I love a tired man. (laughs) <laughs> I joke about in my stand-up like he's not going out every night he is just tired he wants to cuddle and watch movies and talk about his past <laughs> and dead. for I I actually as a kind of a young driven woman it was hard for me to find a guy of like the right energy for me and finding a guy who's like older and has accomplished things on his end and he had this confidence where he was like go work your ass off. Like, I want to play golf. I've done a lot. I'm not comparing myself to you. I'm here to, to hold you up when you need me. I'm proud of you. And that was an energy. And I like really respected his mind. And I, in the past, I really just loved the dumb hotties. I really did. <laughs> <laughs> what does so, he do? So he's also a comedian. No way. Yes. Which I had told myself, I'm never going to be with a comedian. Um, 
but he's he's from Queens, New York originally. I'm from Brooklyn. He kind of felt like home to me. Also, some comics when they're off stage are very like comic-y or they're like super sad. Where he's just a very like normal guy. And he also, since he was 14, he's lived in Ireland. And he's had like kind of a huge comedy career in Ireland. He's done documentaries, talk shows. And I was just so impressed by him. And we hit it off during the pandemic when he came back to the States to kind of quarantine in Long Island. So COVID brought a lot of positives and negatives, but we got engaged in six months. And here we are now a married couple. Nice. You get your old man. I got my old man. (laughs) Are you guys talking about having kids or is that like so far in the future for you? Great question. I think I always envisioned a family. I think when he was younger, he was definitely interested. And then we're at this place where I'm finally like getting really busy and my career is really starting to pop off. And as a traveling comedian, I'm worried about having kids and it kind of stunning my career there's not a whole lot of female comedians, like a lot of them who are crushing it, like Chelsea Handler, Sarah Silverman, Amy Schumer, before she had a kid, like all that success came. So I want kids and I don't want to wait too long. I feel like you never really know if there's a right time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have to say, I finally am at the point where like, damn, it sucks to be a woman sometimes where I have to to pick where it's going to affect my career, but some women I've seen it help their career. Mm -hmm. And I arguably, as someone who deals with anxiety and I'm always like critiquing myself and in my own head of my own BS, I feel like having a child would help me get out of my own mind for a second. Um, So it's something that I'm excited for the future, but it's we definitely have like a crazy life right now where I'm traveling every week. And but I feel like you will figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like uh, you also probably have a little bit of trauma because you got married and then boop, you're off to these shows. So you see what a personal life kind of can do. But I think our generation has been the extreme mm-hmm. and your generation is probably looking at us and being like, you dummies you waited too long you missed your windows Mm. so you're more aware of it than maybe some of us were and it does growing up in New York so many of my my I I just I I looked up to the women who were like 38 killing it did not have children yet and once you are successful like you figure it out you Mm -hmm. make the life you want it just isn't going to be I mean I don't know about your parents, your grand, my grandma got married at 18 and had <laughs> a kid like 20. Yeah. yeah. I think my mom had me at like 20 or 21 or something like that. Yep. So yeah. it's with the life that I've decided to live that isn't, you know, the nine to five stereotypical life. The babies might be a little more complicated, but I also like deep down, I'm kind of working hard just to be like, I want the best life for my kid. Um, so I see that in the future, but we don't have a plan. I do joke that I'm terrible about my birth control. So (laughs) (laughs) the universe may bring you a gift. We'll see what happens, (laughs) but, but yeah, it'll be interesting. But I really think that with anything in life, you figure it out. Oh my God. You said birth control. You have to watch Ricky Lake's new, um, birth control documentary. 
Oh my God. I love documentaries. I love Ricky Lake. And I'm you should have her on the show. I would love that. I'll connect you guys. She's amazing. This documentary is amazing. You're going to freak out and get off of it the second you watch it. But that's a whole other story. (laughs) There's this rumor that once you get off birth control, you're like attracted to different men. So yes, that's what she said. No, it's a fact that it actually, I mean, listen, I've been off of it forever and I'm still attracted to Kevin, (laughs) Um, but, but there is scientific studies around that, Mm -hmm. but there's so much. And, um, and you know, for me, it stunted everything reproductively for me. So when I wanted to have kids, they were like, you can't, you have no follicles, no nothing. I'm like, wait, that's not my body. There's no way I did acupuncture. It took a minute, but everything kind of came back. Yeah. But then I still couldn't get pregnant and it didn't make any sense. There's a lot of theories. And I also, have, you but. don't like, I'm talking to you right now for all I know, like I might not be able to conceive, but we don't check it until we're like, let's do it. And then yeah. they're like, you didn't have to use a condom your whole life, honey. <laughs> exactly. I, Kevin, I mean, he hung me upside down. <laughs> we did everything. Literally, I was like chicken legs hung upside down constantly. Nothing worked. You I was guys like, are why, was I, why was I taking this shit? <laughs> I couldn't get pregnant if I tried. And then if you actually learn your body, which God forbid we actually learned our bodies, you can see you can really only get pregnant like two or three days out of the month anyway. So if you actually follow your cycle, you have to take the shit that's going to ruin you in so many other ways. But that I will leave for you to watch yes. and and interview her. And I told her I was going to make it my mission to help her get it out to people because everyone should see it and be educated and then make your own decisions from there. But um, I love her documentaries. Have you seen any of the I other ones? I will definitely get into it. Yes, I'll definitely. I want I want to watch all of them. Yeah. Um, she's yeah. Awesome. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. She's amazing. So um, this leads me to my Hannah compliment. So when we first met... Um, I showered you with compliments and I'm not someone who throws bouquets easily. Um, you have to really impress me to get my attention. And so when I was going to do this Macy's event, Macy's is a big sponsor of our show. I believe they're still a big sponsor of yours. Mm -hmm. We love Macy's. We love Macy's. So I was going to New York to do this speaking thing at this like little private dinner. Um, I think it was Macy's style, Macy's lifestyle event. And, um, they told me that you guys were speaking or something. And so I was like, oh, if they're on a panel with me, I should know about them and do some research. So I I watched or I listened to Giggly Squad. And, you know, there were a lot of podcasts out there. And my husband calls it, he says, everyone's just farting into a mic. 
He's like, you actually like work so hard and you do such good content. He goes, everybody is farting into a mic and he gets so upset. And I'm like, honey, I just listened to a podcast and they're not farting into a mic. They're actually really funny and really like great. I just was like so impressed. And I remember telling you that, but now after talking to you, I really feel like you need to go on a speaking tour. I have done a couple speaking gigs like for women in work and stuff and nothing lights me up like that. Like, cause I also have like a coach in me. Mm-hmm. No, I can <laughs> see it. Hi- like I love hyping people up and I would love to do more stuff like that. That's like inspiring. I guess I also was like, I want to be able to have stereotypically accomplished enough t- for girls to want to hear what I have to say. But you don't even need the accomplishments technically because what you have to say is so valuable because I've watched you through this whole interview effortlessly have amazing takeaway for people in their lives of all ages. And we have all ages here. I mean, we've got 18 to 70 to whatever. Maybe we have some 80 year olds, whatever. Um, And everything that you are sharing is is helpful for everyone in their lives. And you're just, it's like effortless for you. It's, you've done the work you've, you know, um, had the, you know, the moments of contemplation and, and introspection and all of that to kind of understand your life and all these things that have, have gone on. And so I kept getting this like really strong, she needs to go on a speaking tour and really it should be for, women of all ages, but I would even just really specialize in your, you know, the young Gen Z millennials who need that kind of guidance. I mean, my twenties were so hard, but I learned so much from it. And, oh my God, having you say that, I totally agree. And I appreciate it so much. And that like, she's right. Like that is something I lights me up inside. I also have to let you know when we got to the event, um, (laughs) They were like, oh, Maria wants to tell you something. And I did not, for some reason, I was like, okay, is she a producer on the show? Like, I don't know. They're like, Maria wants to tell you. I'm like, who is Maria? <laughs> and then I go upstairs and I'm expecting to like meet a random Maria. And I was like, Maria Minerva! <laughs> <laughs> but, but to have someone who I um, look up to and I appreciate and have like just like so much inspiration from look at me and see me and give specific reasons of, you know, why they were impressed by something I did is great. And I think like what you did to me is something I would love to give to someone else. Um, it was just super powerful and I appreciate it so much. Well, I'm really happy that we got to, got to know each other. And yeah, I think, um, I think you have such an amazing future and, and Mm -hmm. especially because you're so grounded in, you know, the lessons and, and, and you have a, a good kind of compass. It's not about the achievements or the money. That's all going to be exciting and fun, no matter what it's about doing what you love. And so few people do what they love. Mm. And so few people are lit up by what they do, um, that you can, you know, you can serve to inspire them to follow that path because no matter what, if you love what you're doing, you know, Kelsey, I see Kelsey, she lights up after she does a, um, a pre-interview said, Oh my God, you're going to love this person. They're amazing. (laughs) And she just lights up. We get a review. She lights up. And so the money comes when Mm -hmm. you're 
when you're lighting up, like it just happens. So Mm -hmm. I always say that to people, the success, all that stuff will happen if you love what you do, because you're going to be good at it. Yeah. Yeah. So congrats on, on, on winning in life. Like, well, congrats to you too. This podcast is amazing. Oh, Um, I have something to tell you. (laughs) What? So funny enough, um, your show is called Giggly Squad. Yes. When I met you, we were better together with Maria Menounos. Yes. We had applied for the trademark for Heel Squad over a year ago. Mm-hmm. And so I forgot that that was something that we were on tra- track to do. And I think it was literally right after we met that my trademark lawyer called me. He's like, you've got it. It's all set. <laughs> I go, oh my God, we're changing the show. She's going to think I'm like copying Heel Squad, Giggly Squad. I was dying because we literally had just Yo, met. It's called Heel Giggly Squad. <laughs> no, that's amazing. I heard it's actually, Kelsey was telling me that um, your listeners are the ones that almost came up with it. They call themselves that. And we love a squad. It makes mm-hmm. people feel stronger together. And I love like heel is such a powerful term because isn't that all we're doing is healing in, in every way forms. and in every area. I love the name. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we love what we do. It's like, it's so cool. Like I always say to everybody, who's on some kind of journey and they need a little bit of help. I'm like, listen to the show. It'll be your accountability partner Mm. to stay on track because this is what we're doing every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's not because I want you to listen so that I have more listeners. It's really because it's helping me every day. Yeah. And I'm healing from all kinds of things every single day because we have amazing people that come in and share amazing information and knowledge, not just doctors, but, you know, stand-up comedians who have Giggly (laughs) Squad podcasts as well. So um, it's pretty cool. Well, I appreciate you so much for having me and I can't wait to heal even more. Yes. Queen. <laughs> uh, we'll have to get you some merch. Oh, I would love, I would love. We just launched our merch, which is super fun. It was cool to see something kind of be born from oh, the brain. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. To see a physical thing. And then you'll like see people on the streets with it and you're kind of like, Oh wow. It's real. Yeah. Cause you forget yeah. people listen when you're just chatting one-on-one. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, friend, um, this was amazing. Kels, did you have anything you wanted to ask before I let her go? I'm like, "Mm." something, you know, Hannah, I was thinking, but I think could be good for our audience is I want to know leading up to, I know obviously you and Des are married now, but like any good dating advice for the younger listeners and the millennials out there, because LA, New York, it's tough. It is tough in these streets. If you have to ask if he likes you, we're done with him. If you have to ask him or friends. Ask yourself. Anyone. Yeah. Like, you know, your friend who's like, what did he mean by this? What is this? Mm -hmm. If he makes you question yourself at all, it's not your job to convince him. There's nothing you can say or do. It's not it. And a lot of time, like, you don't know him. So you don't know why he's not right for you, but just take that as a sign to not waste your time. Yeah. That's because, because you're going to meet the guy who's right for you and immediately be like, Oh, this is how it feels to be on the surfboard and just go. And it's mm. not like pulling teeth every interaction or trying to hang out. Um, and also when you're like heartbroken because of a situation ship, <laughs> you don't know that man, you don't know what it's like to be with that man. You're not in love with him you've projected it all because you're a creative genius. 
and you've put it on him. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love that. Because <laughs> I was really good at doing that. And then you realize I made him up in my head. So don't make him up. Don't f- just fall to fall. And it'll come easy when it's the right person, just like a friendship. Mm. That's the thing. Everybody, I watch, do you watch 90 Day Fiance? Oh my God, I love 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> it's my everything. Kevin and I wanted IV dripped into our veins. We're obsessed. So I don't know if you've been seeing The Single Life. Oh, I haven't. I saw it, but I haven't watched it yet. It's so good. It's so good. So we were watching the tell-all last night, part two. I mean, we look forward to it. We went on our honeymoon and I got advanced episodes from the network because I'm like, I, I can't miss while I'm in Italy. We would Those rush home from dinner. When you're Maria Menounos. <laughs> <laughs> the 90 day fiance advanced episode strength. Well, because we were going to miss two, two Sundays yeah, you can't. on our trip. We could have. So we would race home from a fancy dinner and get in bed with get champagne hit. and watch like Big Ed and Darcy and all these people. <laughs> and so we're so obsessed. So I'm watching these people in these relationships and they're working so hard. And I'm like, it's supposed to be easy. You're not supposed to, uh, so what you're saying rings so true when it's right, it's easy when it's constant battling and constant, like, you know, trust issues and all this stuff, like bye. It's not passion. It's not some like twin flame. It's going to feel comfortable. And to someone who's like loves chaos, that might be weird, but like, you're going to feel safe and they're going to want to be with you. Yeah. All point. You don't have to trick them. You, yeah, you, you don't have to be wondering like, oh, well, he only wants to see me once a week or whatever. Like, oh my God, then I he's not that one. into you. If you, <laughs> you can only see me on Sunday. That's the Lord's day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got it. Like it's supposed to be easy. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really great advice. That's my two cents. I love it. All right, Hannah. Well, thank you for, for spending some time with us. I look forward to the next time we get to spend time, yes, um, perhaps on Giggly Squad. Yes, and thank you so much for your compliments. They mean the world. And Kelsey, thanks for hooking it up. Got you, girl. And I, and Maria, we got, we're going to get get you on Burning in Hell, which is Hannah's. Like it's mm-hmm. all about like mental health and everything, and it's such an incredible podcast. Hands we'll up. set it up. It. We'll make it happen. All right, friends. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Hannah. Uh, in the meantime. Check out our Heel Squad Instagram at Heel Squad. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We'll put a link in the summary for that. Let us know how we're doing. We love hearing from you all. And in the meantime, be nice people, make good choices, and be present. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or MariaMenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment.
Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions. Hey, Hill Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.